Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know that typically our episodes go back and forth with a guest episode and then a solo episode. But today, I'm changing things up. Today, I'm actually bringing back Monique Allen. If you've been listening to the podcast, you will know that she was just on last week for a fantastic interview. But I decided to bring her back. Why? Because Early last week, right before her episode was going live, Monique reached out and asked if we could re-record the episode because there was some additional information that she wanted to share. And I thought about it and quickly thought, nope, because there was too much good stuff in that episode to cut anything out. So we decided instead of re-recording that episode to kind of do a part B and have her come back on and talk about some of the things that she's seeing in the hiring space and just follow up on some of the great information that we discussed last week. So seeing Monique was just on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, go and listen to episode 86 and learn all about her. But because of that, I'm not going to go through her full bio, but Monique, welcome to the show again. And can you give everyone just a brief overview of who you are? Absolutely. Thanks so much for, for taking me up on this crazy idea. Um, Yes, I'm Monique Allen. I own the Garden Continuum, which is a landscape design, build, and fine gardening company. I also wrote a book called Stop Landscaping, Start Lifescaping. A little tongue-in-cheek there, just because obviously I landscape, but I was thinking about a new method of approaching land. And um, very interestingly, uh, it coalesced in my mind that we all also have to think about a new way of building our teams. The world is really different. And so my mind started blowing up with ideas and you were the person I had to call. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you so much for reaching out. Like I said, it was perfect timing because your episode was just about to go live and then we can go right into this follow-up episode. So I love it. Thank you. All right. So just to kick us off today, tell me what you're currently seeing. Yeah, it is. um, The market is really odd. Uh, interesting, I guess, would feel too positive. It's odd. It's it's hard to really understand the flavor of it. Um, it's hard to get the cadence. It's almost like it's a dance and I keep kind of stepping on my own foot. I, I can't seem to get the rhythm. Um, and so I'm in the trade space. I, I build things for a living. So I have a bricks and mortar office and which means I staff an office and then I also have labor in the field. Um, It is always easier to staff an office than it is to staff labor because you've got both the fact that you need skill, but you you know, like actual trade skills, um, but you also need people who are willing to work outside, work in the weather. It's hard work. 
Um, so we expect a certain, um, uh, you know, uphillness to staffing, especially in that low wage. But in listening to you, you've had great episodes, the one on the great resignation, the one on not being angry at the people who leave your company. Um, oh, there was another great one, but you've been talking so much about how um, the actual flavor of building a team has changed. And I realized how much I was seeing that. So uh, pay, the way we look at pay and benefits is very different. Um, the way we look at a position, the way a position is crafted, very different. Um, the onboarding process, quite different. I mean, way back in the day, we used to be able to hire somebody, put them out in the field and then start kind of training them as they go. Now we have to have, you know, these more, you know, deeper discussions about expectations. So all of these things, I think, were incrementally changing. But what has kind of erupted in my mind is this idea that the labor force is finally putting its foot down. And it's yes. saying, I am not doing this unless I understand what it is you expect of me. And the leeway we had as owners, and I consider myself highly communicative, but that leeway that even I got before where something was a little cloudy or not really clarified, the edges weren't really firmed up, that is not happening anymore. Employees, potential employees, recruits, they want to know what they're getting into from the get-go, which really requires owners and team builders, managers to not only craft something distinct and understandable, but also to be able to follow that up, right? With onboarding, right. with, uh, so it's just, it's just been amazing to me. And I feel like a lot of your episodes have hit on little pieces of it. And it was just all coalescing in my brain is like, wow, it really is different. It really is. Like, if you think about it, if you think like old school, like parent generations and everything, people got a job with a company and they, their intention was to stay there their entire career. People didn't really job hop. You know, they're looking to be promoted and everything within a company. And also there was sometimes, now some of it could be a little stereotypical, but bosses being a little harsher around the edges, people getting yelled at and people just being like, okay, this is, I need to put up with this because it's part of the job. Where now people, are, especially with the newer generations, the younger generations are saying, no, 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 no. I don't have to put up with this. We're no longer in a culture where you stay at a job your entire career. Some people still do, but for most of the workforce, they don't. So it's like, if you're not giving them what they need, there's no reason for them to stay there because people are kind of viewing themselves at a higher level than the company where before people was like, I have this job, I have this company, I'm going to put up with whatever's out there. And now it's like, no, 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 no. I matter more, how I'm being treated matters more. And yeah, with those expectations, like people want to know, like, I feel like it a lot of times gets this negative connotation of this workforce, this younger workforce that is like, they want to be patted on the back. They want to be told that they're doing things good and right. And I think there's, there's stuff to that, but there's also this thing to it where they want to be told that they're doing things right 
because they want to please. They want to make sure that they're doing things right. They don't want to be going in and wasting their time doing something incorrectly that then's going to get negative feedback. So it's not that they want to think that they're right and like really have like big egos and big heads. It's that they don't want to waste their time being wrong. And so when you say they really want clear expectations, clear onboarding, it's yes, they want that because they want to be right. They want to please, and they don't want to be in a situation where they're not pleasing their boss. Yeah. And it's really hard to please someone who hasn't put a stake in the ground to kind of lay the expectations. And I consider myself, I mean, I've been working very hard to build a compassionate culture within my company. I mean, it's one of the foundational pieces of how my company works, but a lot of what I set into motion is now kind of falling on deaf ears because I think the the mass of employer, like you said, can be a little rough around the edges and hello, I'm in construction. So it's really rough around the edges, but you have a much more evolved sensibility um, in, in the whole workforce, because I even think the older workforce is coming on board. They're starting to learn more about, um, you know, just things like diversity, equity, and inclusion, and being able to have that as part of your onboarding language, right? So that's not language that even happened in construction. Well, now after COVID, where we had to be so intently aware of um, every, every personal safety space, now we can also look at that as psychological safety. Like, are people safe in their minds? Do they feel like they they have got security? And part of the ways that people feel secure is that they know what they're supposed to be doing. There's clarity there. There's an open invitation to get clarity if you haven't gotten it already. And then um, I just finished people school with um, Vanessa Van Edwards, which was like out of this world amazing. And there's this thing that she talks about where she says that people really need personal meaning. Like they need to know that the work that they're doing has meaning for them. It's very, very individual. But then there's this other piece, which is they want to know they're having impact. And I think that's what you were talking about when you said like, people want to be right. They want to know they're doing the right thing and doing the right thing feeds personal meaning. But then it also says, oh, and this thing actually has impact in the world. Like it's meaningful to me and it's meaningful to a community. It has impact. And it's, we can't as employers rest on our laurels that I need somebody to file, right? Like, but filing has an enormous amount of meaning. You have to help connect the meaning and the impact of the fact that having a really well-organized office space where at the drop of a hat, you can find information that you need, that can be correlated to how important it is to do something like weeding, which can seem like the most menial task in gardening. But you know, to have a weed-free garden doesn't just mean there's no weeds. It means you're not constantly feeding the seed bank of the soil. So you can help your labor force understand the, the availability of meaning and the impact that they're having. If you can start leading with the why you're staffing your company, the purpose of what your company is doing. And I sort of think of this as like in my coaching, I see a pushback from the owners. They're like, I don't have time. I just need them to do the job. I can't be babysitting. And my response to that is look at, you've got to consider that there's a trade-off. There's a trade-off between this short-term 
what they think of as pain or suffering as an owner to have to train. There's this trade-off between that short, short-term suffering or pain and the long-term payoff. And as terrible as this analogy is, I'm going to use it anyway. Like when you get a puppy, like they're so cute and they're so awesome. And then they chew your shoes <laughs> and you yeah. have got to like, take care to teach them and train them. But nobody loves a well-trained dog better. They are loyal. They are lovable. They feed your soul. And again, I'm not saying employees are puppies. Like I'm not saying <laughs> that, but you get the analogy that like when you invest in another human being in their success, then there's a payoff, but you, you don't, you have to invest. Right. No, exactly. It's, you are so right. Like you invest the time now. So that way you save time in the future. And like, I tell people this, like all the time we're like, oh, well at first, like it takes me more time to explain to the team member how to do it. And I'm like, well, if it's a one-time task, it's the only time it's ever going to be done. And it takes more time to explain it than it does for you to do it. Then you should probably just do it yourself. I was like, but if it's a repetitive task, that's going to be done over and over and over again. Yes. That first time, maybe those first few times, depending on how intricate the task is, it takes more time to explain it. But then there's all those times in the future where you don't have to touch it and you don't have to do it. So you do it for that future gain. Yes. It takes time now, but it's that future gain. And like, to go back to your examples about like, I always, I, I agree. You have to talk about the why things are done certain ways and the why behind it and it helps motivate them. And I remember back in my corporate days, having the team fill out a tracker and they're like, oh my goodness, this is time consuming to fill out this tracker of like all this data point. And at that point in time, the tracker was very manual and we're like, we're trying to figure it all out. So that way, hopefully in the future it can be automated, but telling them right now you have to manually do it. And I used to have to every, uh, we were on four week cycles at the end of every four week cycle being like, okay, come on, this information's missing. This information's <laughs> missing. Please fill this out, send out multiple emails. And it took a lot of time to do that and then wait for them to fill it out. So I could do my job that I had to do with that data and the tracker. I then decided, well, they really need to understand why this information is important. They're viewing it as busy work and yes, it can be seen as busy work. But then I broke it down. I was like, once I have this data, here's what I do with it. Here's how it gets presented out. And I started taking that presentation that was given to upper management and then doing it for them as well. And they're like, wow, things are actually getting done with this data and this information. And after that, like showing them the why, showing what gets done with it, showing the impact that this data has besides once in a blue moon where someone thought they filled it out, but you know, they were so busy that they never actually filled it out. I didn't have to follow up with anybody ever again. It was done. Mm. I was able to do it. I saved all that follow-up time. So satisfying, so, yes. so satisfying. And, you know, I think that, you know, that's the, that's the basis for like how you would build an SOP. And if the SOP, the standard operating procedure is written out in steps, that's very easy for somebody to read. That doesn't take a lot of time anymore. Cause you're not just saying it. And now you can spend more time doing what you did, which was to connect the dots between what they're doing, who gets it. And then where it goes from there. And I love to then connect it to revenue and then connect it back to profit. And that, you know, what does revenue mean? What does profit mean for them? Because I think that another big key that we've all got to be talking to as we're recruiting and as we're interviewing is the what's in it for me. Every employee, potential employee in their mind is saying, what's in it for me? And we've got to be able to 
really generously think about what's in it for them because, and I think that sometimes that's hard for owners because, you know, we feel kind of guarded and protected because, you know, oh, these people, they come and they go and they come and they go and I'm left alone. And what about what's in it for me, you know, as the owner. And I think we've just got to get out of our heads there and be able to speak to what's in it for the potential employee, show them the ladder, show them, you know, even if the ladder's only three rungs, you can say that, look at this ladder's three rungs. We're a small company. That's all we have here. You might decide that you get up to rung three and you are so happy. You just want to stay there. I'll keep you. That's great. But if you are looking for rung four, five, and six, you'll have to move on to another company. But here's the awesome thing. You're going to go to that new company from rung three. And so this speaks to what you said about the um, the episode you did about like not being angry at people for leaving is that if you look at the people as on a journey for themselves on a career path and you're saying, hey, come here, be with us. And in three years, you are going to be so up the level. Now you can go to a national landscape company and get, you know, a bigger position that unless somebody left here, wouldn't be available here. And that three years, you're getting an enormous payoff, enormous productivity from an employee that realizes that they're actually building their skill while giving back to a company that they respect. And I think that's a different narrative for owners. Right. And it's one of those things like, as hard as it is where people are like, no, why is it so low? It's like <laughs> the average tenure is three years at companies. Like if you have an employee past three years, you're doing a great and amazing job. People switch jobs nowadays, or they realize there's other things in their life that they want to do, or they stay home with the kids or they move and they have a job that can't be done remotely. Like things happen all the time where people are switching jobs every few years now. So you might say, but is it worth putting all that effort in for only three years? Yes. Yes, yes. it is. <laughs> because when you do it right, you get amazing results during those three years. I'll even yes. say like, I'm coming up just on two and a half months of having my first employee on my team. And all I can say is I would have not survived the summer so far if it wasn't for her. Like she has done such amazing things. And it's like, if I sat there and said, okay, well, she's only, maybe she's only going to be here for a year, two years until she moves on to something else. Is it worth it? Gosh, yes, it's worth it. Like, cause it's worth it for now. It's worth it for the output that they're giving you now and to invest in them in that way. Even if they do move on to that national company, that bigger company, they look back and see that positive experience that was there. They don't see it as a drain. They don't see it as a waste of their time. They see that because of that time, they were able to get to this other place. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that one of the things that I try really hard to do is I try to see, can I overlap my, my two-year person with a one-year person? So if the two-year person is thinking that they're going to be ready to leave after three years, the one-year person was kind of trained under them, you know, that in my situation where I have like 18, I, I can, I can start to to think about weaving new people, kind of mid tenure people and longer term people together. And I'm beginning to use a narrative in my recruiting and hiring, which is talking about cross training, which are things that I didn't really talk about before. I didn't talk about 
You know, if you've been here for three months and then I hire somebody, you may think you're new, but they're newer. You have something to teach them. Everybody comes with their transferable skill from, let's say, another job, even if it was a different industry. Um, people come with social skills that can help other people. Um, I find that, they, you know, there are some people that come to work with kind of the grumble on and then the other people that come to work and they're always happy and they're saying hi and whatever. And that person has something to teach the person who doesn't realize that that's actually a really valuable characteristic to bring to work. So one of the things that I've really been thinking a lot about is those those soft skills, those those characteristics of interaction on a team, um, the feelings of uh, satisfaction of just somebody's back hurts, so you help them out, you know, and that that actually can be your big satisfying moment of the day is that somebody really needed you and you helped them. I'm starting to try to look at the work environment more holistically and bring that to the recruiting and the, and the interviewing. And I've actually had a couple of people say, this is the most like comfortable interview I've ever been in. And I feel like that's kind of cool too. Cause maybe we could just shift it for not to not be such a scary thing. Right. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I love that. Like hearing comments like that, that's amazing because you think about it. Nobody interviews just because they feel like going on an interview and they're <laughs> interviewing because they need a job because they need a, a way to put food on the table, a roof over their head, or they need to get out of the current work situation that they're in. For some reason, it is not jiving with what they need. So because of that, there can be a lot of nerves going into that interview. So to find a process where people feel more comfortable, do it, do it. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, one of my very early clients, he owned a gym and he talked about how people just seem so uncomfortable. They wouldn't open up during the interview. He couldn't get their real personality. And he was interviewing personal trainers and pretty much having them dress up to sit across the desk from him. <laughs> and I'm just like, think about it. I'm like, personal trainers, they work out for a living. They're <laughs> in gym clothes. Like even like in his gym, the, uh, personal trainers wore polo shirts, but still workout shorts. Like they're still comfortable. Like, and now you're having them dress up to formally sit across you from you as a desk. I was like, talk about nerves. Like you're taking them so far out of their elements. And we were together able to develop a more, an interview process that allowed these people to be more in their elements where we combined, uh, the interview with a workout. So he got to like, see their actual skill of being able to lead workouts and be knowledgeable about things at the same time. He's asking those, those questions, just those more general, like kind of business questions, really learn about them. And it just, it brought this better balance to really mm. learn about the person and the environment that made them feel comfortable. Yeah. And I think people were, that's, I mean, it's beautiful, right? Because people, when people are comfortable, their best self comes comes forward when they're self-conscious and feel, um, you know, like they're kind of being put on the spot. I think it's, it's just, it's just really hard to bring your best, best self to that. And then if you get hired in that environment and you feel like you're being put on the spot by all your coworkers, you know, it just, it just, it just compounds. And I think that, um, figuring out a way the trick for me, and I'd be really curious about your thoughts on this. The trick for me really is the whole like posting for jobs and, you know, on Indeed or working with a recruiter or um, 
working with your employees to try to help find people. The whole thing feels somewhat outdated. And it's just been very interesting to me to try to figure out how to put that narrative into the recruiting, you know, the content, the platforms, the outreach. Um, I haven't figured it out, but we're trying everything, you know, from sandwich board signs in front of our our shop to um, doing like a recruiting challenge with our employees that gives them incremental payouts as the the new recruit would stay on and then become a permanent employee. I just wonder about like other things that you're seeing that are innovative to sort of bring that new narrative of an employment culture to the recruiting and onboarding and interviewing process. Yeah. So the one thing I would say is like being creative is great to figure out new ways. I don't see job boards going away anytime soon. Mm -hmm. I still encourage everybody to use them, but find out what's going to work best for you. Um, You know, it very well could be like putting those like sandwich boards outside of your place could be good as long as the traffic that's passing by you think is the right traffic. If you're hiring for someone who's going to be that low wage hourly worker and your shops in an upscale area, because that's where your client clientele traffic is, is that person who's, who's looking for those low wage jobs going to be passing by on the streets. So think about that. If the answer is no, then that might not do it, but that could be a good starting spot to say, okay, what can we do? Uh, One of the things I was talking to a family member back the other month and they do, um, a tree trimming service. And they're looking for people that are in school. Like they know a lot about the trees. What is it? An arborist? Arborist? Yeah. Arborist. 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 Yeah. There you go. (laughs) So, and they're looking for people that are um, knowledgeable about it. And they talked about, and he was like, well, we could have a part-time position or a flexible position. It doesn't necessarily have to be Monday through Friday, nine to five. And I was like, well, why aren't you going to local schools? that have degrees in that you want someone who's knowledgeable. You say it could be flexible around a school schedule. See if you can go present at the classes, mm. get directly in front of your audience. How yeah. do you get in front of your audience? Where are they? It's like, if you think about with, um, with just marketing your business in general, like there's the whole concept of like guerrilla marketing, like going out there and getting in front and doing these more creative things. And if you think about it, is there, is there, are there ways to get in front of your target audience for your job? Where are the people you want to hire? What are they doing? Where are they spending their time? And especially if they need some sort of certification, knowledge, education, like how do you get in front of them at that point in time? I love that. I love the that. One thing, the one thing that I would be cautious about, okay. Cause you mentioned like the, like the, the little sandwich boards and everything out front is making sure you don't appear like you're in a position where you're always hiring unless you're on this like huge growth path. Because if you have a sign out there, it's like, okay, you're always hiring for the same position and people can always see like right outside your shop, you're always hiring for the same position. In their mind, they're going to start thinking, what is wrong with this company that nobody wants to stay? Mm. Yeah. Oh, you want to make sure that you're not putting off this negative impression but you know, that you're able to get in front of it. So it could be one of those things every once in a while you try it every once in a while you put it out there um, and then try other things and keep, keep testing the waters. Yeah. I think that that makes so much sense. I think the creativity and testing the waters and moving, you know, moving things around is um, such a great idea. And it's so interesting that you just said that about the sandwich board, because 
we've had it out there. Um, I don't know, maybe just a couple weeks now. And I looked at it this morning and I thought, and, and we actually got a great employee from that. And I feel like it's totally paid for itself. And, and I was thinking, gosh, I wonder if I should bring that in. And now I just feel like you've just sort of confirmed it. Like maybe it's just time to give it a little rest, try something new. Um, I love that idea of, of guerrilla marketing and how to get in front of the people that are your audience, which, oh my gosh, I mean, I do that all the time with finding clients. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You try things different. If you think about it, if, um, especially cause you're in like the home space and I think about every once in a while, there's like home magazines and stuff that, that get put out. Uh, and if you out there's, if it's always the same thing, the same ads, nothing changes about it. What do people end up doing? They just scroll by it. They, they don't, don't look, look at it, it anymore. So you want to make sure you're trying up things new and different and you're getting in front of the audience in different ways. If it's always like, even sometimes companies will say it's the same job posting out there over and over again. They don't change it. They don't do anything. They keep it, keep it up. And people can see, well, this posting has been up for six months. Well, no one wants to apply for a position that's up for six months because something's wrong that makes it so people either aren't applying, they're not selecting a hire or they're not keeping their hires. Right. Right. So, okay. This is awesome. So I have another question for you and I know we're probably yes. running on time, but I just think you're, you're so brilliant about this. So uh, another thing that I'm seeing that's really interesting is that um, in the low paid market, you know, so I'm in Massachusetts and our minimum wage is going up every single year. Um, and it'll go up for a couple more years until it lands at $15 an hour. And we've always hired ahead of minimum wage. So we've always been higher than minimum wage. Well, what we're finding now is that, so the trade industry, very much like the hospitality industry is in kind of a suffering mode. Um, and so what we're noticing is that people are paying really inflated wages um, and it's going to be, it's very interesting to me. It'll, it will be to see like, how does this play out economically later, but in the short term, I'm wondering about things and what your recommendations are and what you sort of tell your audience about when it comes to things like hiring bonuses, um, uh, maybe benefit bonus, any, any things that are like those enticements to get people in, like, do you believe in them? Do you like, what's your take on, on that as opposed to higher wages? Yeah. So I think it's one of those things. My answer is it depends. So <laughs> I feel like when things are very competitive and everything else is even sometimes those hiring bonuses and everything can get people in the door. Mm. But if you think about it, like, let's look at, um, some places right now, like there was places, I think even like Walmart and stuff like that, they were quickly offering hiring bonuses. Well, now mm -hmm. they just recently came out. Like, I think it's like Walmart and target and stuff for some of their employees they're offering will pay for your college because like Oof. that benefit, it was just like, well, it wasn't doing the trick anymore. And you also have to think about it that hiring bonus can get somebody in the door, but what's going to get them to stay there. Right. And obviously we talked about like creating that culture and everything that's different. But sometimes I, I have to remind people of if that hiring bonus is what's attracting them. So that instant gratification of money, what's stopping them from two months down the road, going to a different company that's offering a hiring bonus at that point in time. So sometimes I think you need to look at like, what's, what's the long-term plan of keeping this employee. If it is 
okay, you give them a hiring bonus, but then is there some sort of bonus structure throughout? So if it is that they're attracted at money or attracted at, for that hiring bonus, how are you going to keep them on staff? So you're not feeling like you're always getting someone in to lose them because then they go to the next incentive at the next company. Yeah, that's so smart. That's so yeah. smart. Um, I love the idea. What we did was we looked at the 90 day orientation period and a way to attach the, we did a small hiring bonus that, you know, for an upper level position and attaching it to each one of the check-ins, the 30, the 60, the 90, but then having a standard set of KPIs kind of show up KPIs, right? In addition to built KPIs that were more structural around production and then allowing that hiring bonus to really be tethered to that show up and that performance. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of work. Like it was a lot of work, like mentally, it felt like doing gymnastics and then trying to get it so that it was understandable and writing it. Um, I'll have to follow up with you and tell you how it worked. The first time I've ever done it, I've never felt the need to do it before, but it's, it's um, again, just trying to be creative and to use um, all the things that I can think about. But I do think that it really is. I know we have a good culture here, but I also know that what you say is very true. Even that is, is getting someone in the door. I really have to think about long-term, long-term making sure that this candidate will see their growth potential, not only just in money, but just also in their personal professional satisfaction. Um, so I think that's, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up today, cause we're definitely pretty much at time, yes. just kind of going back of like the things to do to be creative, like with getting candidates in and you mentioned with your staff, with your current staff. And that is always one of those things where I feel like people fail to leverage, leverage their current employees really mm-hmm. well during the hiring process. And you have to remember, especially if you've spent a lot of time creating this culture, your employees should be your cheerleaders. Like your employees, you should trust them. Some people are like, well, I don't trust the people that they'll send me. It's like, well, if you don't trust them, why are they still on your team? So you should trust your team members. And even you never know who they know, and you never know who the people they're they're connected to know. So if they go out on their social media and promote that you're hiring, there, there could be someone who sees that. And whether they need a job in that industry or whether they know someone who could use that, that word of mouth is amazing because the people that are working for you, the people that are there are being your cheerleaders. And it could even be like one of those things where you can give them a template of things to use. You can like even coach them and say, Hey, would you like to record like even a a 30 second video of why you love to work here. And maybe that's something you can post on your page. Um, you know, stuff like that, where you're really leveraging your team and what they love about working there and using that. So that way people aren't just seeing it as, okay, it's just another company that's hiring. It's like, they start to have that. Okay. It's another company that's hiring, but this is the one where I can see myself for the long run. Because even though we talked about not everyone stays at the job for their entire career, people still want to feel like, they belong. They are going to really enjoy being there for the tenure that they're there. As we talked about, get a lot out of that time that they're there. So they feel that that was time well spent and everything. So use your employees, have them be your cheerleaders throughout the process. So that way you can get some really great talent. Yeah. I love it. And what a be- what better way to help somebody have impact, right? Yes. Awesome. 
<laughs> yes, yes, definitely. All right, Monique. Well, thank you so much for coming back and doing this second interview with <laughs> me as a little follow-up. So <laughs> For those who are listening, if you haven't gone back and listened to the episode that was just out last week, episode 86, make sure you go and listen to that. You'll hear more about Monique's business and there's so much value in that episode. And then thank you for listening to the Growing Your Team podcast. And we'll be back next week with another great guest interview. Are you ready to hire a new team member for your business and you want to ensure you hire the person who can succeed in the role, make you happy, and positively impact your bottom line, then set up time and let's talk. Because this is exactly how I help business owners like you. When you go through my hire framework, not only will you learn how to attract candidates who have the passion you desire, but you'll be able to identify and select candidates who have the skills you need and can succeed in the role. Going through this consultant process not only helps you find the right new hire for your current open position, but it teaches you how to repeat this process with every new position you add to your company as it continues to grow. So if you're a small business owner who is ready to hire, has a rough idea of the position you need to add, and you're tired of going through the hiring process only to end up with bad fitting team members, then let's talk. Send me an email at jamie at growingyourteam.com. That's jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at growingyourteam.com. Or head on over to growingyourteam.com slash jumpstart and let's talk about your hiring needs. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.